Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, November 18th of 2020. We find ourselves today in the middle of the week, in the middle of our study from the book of Luke, and we thank God for the places that he has taken us uh, this week. We want to welcome all of our listeners, all of those that are tuning in. We're so grateful. And we believe the Holy Spirit has drawn you today to hear and, and to study the Word of God with us. And we thank you for taking out of your time and spending this precious time together as we um, study and look into and glean from the Word of God. I tell you, we are living in such prophetic times. If this is not the end of time, then I don't know what is. You know, what we're sensing, what we're feeling, what uh, we're reading in the Word of God. I mean, everything is either a big coincidence or we are <laughs> right there in the end of time. And and so I'm excited about our, our topic today. Not our topic. I, I hate to use that word, but about uh, what we're in, where the Holy Spirit has us in, in the book of Luke. And uh, I know God is going to show us some things today that I think are very helpful. I was so grateful for the study of Monday and Tuesday. And, and really, uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, as we as you spoke about the uh, the mental weight, the weightiness mentally that this is in the toll that it's gonna that it can take upon even the believers, right? And yeah. uh, we must be ready and fortify our minds with the word of God and not just knowing the times not just knowing what to do in these times, but also understand what we're facing and where the battle is. And that's why I was so blessed, uh, Brother Marty, with this with the study yesterday, because I think it's something that we all need to hear, you know, as we yeah. go forward. It's not just, oh, it's the end of time. I know Jesus is coming, but do we really know <laughs> the intricate, I like, I like the word you use a lot, the intricate parts, right? <laughs> yeah. The deeper yeah. parts of, of of what you have called brother marty many times the uh the, the sophisticated way the enemy is coming against us right yeah. <laughs> and yeah. jesus and jesus warned us about this and and we went deep into those words what does it mean to take heat you know and so uh I, if you have not heard yesterday's and mondays i think it's uh it'll bless you it'll bless you it will encourage you and i think it will prepare you better if you're sorry that's not the right word it will prepare you in a much uh, deeper way to to know what we are facing and what we're about to face. So without further ado, it's a it's an honor to be able to study the Word of God with the panel, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, who are joining us today. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share uh, what God has placed in your heart as we study and look into these things together. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, it's been a, an intense uh, past two days as we've been looking into and heading to the subject matter of verse 35 of Luke chapter 21, where the Lord speaks of a particular snare. He uses that language for as a snare, it shall come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. So he was drawing our attention to a particular time frame that would affect the entire planet. And he was speaking about it in context of the final generation. And so we are exploring these things in the first two days leading up to uh, our subject, uh, which is really all part of the same subject, because we're dealing with 
what the Lord seemed to be implying was a time frame uh, that would be and precede uh, the exact thing that he calls the snare. And so we've, we've, we've been exploring that, and, and we spent the first two days led, again, humbly we say such things, and, and respectfully by the Holy Spirit, uh, to deal with the things Brother Jeremy was just talking about, the effects of uh, the prophetic time, how it affects the individual believer, but also the church as a whole, and, and what we were to expect. And, and so we dug into the very first thing he said, which was taking heed to yourself, and we talked about the mental warfare, and we spent two days on it. And by no means did we even <laughs> exhaust it, but we pray that that in some way it it has helped. And if you haven't heard it, we pray you go back and listen to those first uh, two days uh, of of our our uh, our podcast series entitled "The Snare." So today I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy to begin our discussion. Uh, before we begin our discussion, uh, to read, if you would, Brother Jeremy, um, verse. 30, let's start with verse 29 to verse 34, as uh, we cover our discussion today from these particular passages of Scripture. We encourage you to have your Bibles out. Uh, we also want to encourage you, as we remind you, those that listen, um, to pass these podcasts on. And, and it really helps if you subscribe, and uh, it, it, it helps, uh, you know, on the algorithms bring our podcasts up into the community that is interested in biblical prophecy. So when they search for like Bible prophecy or Bible, um, the more subscribers we have, the more the word can get out. And so we're not trying to build anything. We're not asking for money. We're just simply trying to get the word out and what we believe, or at least throw our hat into the ring of the community of ideas as to where we are right now and what's actually transpiring here in the year 2020 and going forward. So pass it on to your friends. Uh, and your your loved ones that that are that are seriously uh, you know seeking answers, um, and and encourage them to do the same and and you know be led of the spirit. But but we would uh, we would appreciate that very much as we continue to go forward, uh, and the times increasingly are are becoming more and more volatile. Um, I think it's it's most important that we that we connect as as a fellowship, of that mysterious body of Christ across the land and across the world. So. Uh, That's all I'll say about that. But Brother Jeremy, would you begin today with uh, verse 29 through 34, and we'll get into our discussion on the coming snare. Uh, And and we pray that you'll be blessed today in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy. Amen. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. My, my, take heed to yourself so that that day does not come upon you unaware. And then he goes into verse 35 talking about, for as a snare, it shall come upon all them 
that dwell on the face of the earth. This is planet-wide. This is the entire population of the planet. It's an identifying mark, and something the Lord used uh, to describe it and to alert us is the word snare. And we'll get into that in a little while, but <clears throat> we want to talk to you uh, today, uh, having examined what the Lord spoke to us. And brothers, I want you to jump in as we go along in this, uh, uh, you know, and just, you know, add your thoughts and comments uh, as the Lord, uh, you know, inspires you to do so. It's important today uh, to give your point of view on these matters. So, you know, whenever you feel led, just just knock me upside the head because I'll talk for an hour without stopping. So, so praise the Lord. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> you're going to hear some things today uh, that are probably going to challenge you, and they're all they, as they've challenged us. Uh, we're going to say some things, uh, not to be of a critical nature, but an observant one. And 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 with that in mind, we're going to be dealing with some issues here. And like we said, having examined what the Lord spoke to us uh, concerning the final generation um, about about this generation needing to take heed. And remember uh, what Brother Jeremy just read there in verse uh, 32, the Lord identified a particular generation and said that the generation who would witness the signs uh, leading up to the snare that he references would be a generation that would not pass away until all the prophetic scriptures would be fulfilled. And he preceded that by giving us an anchor for our mind. Because remember, he's addressing his disciples, his church, but in many senses, and, and absolutely, certainly so, he's addressing our time uh, because he points to that final generation. So while what he was saying was meant for the understanding of the early church, and in many senses, uh, you know, placing within their spirits and thoughts that which they would later draw upon when they would uh, write the scriptures, the New Testament. Uh, yet he is speaking to that far-flung generation from that time period in the future that would witness particular things. And he was warning that final generation that they would need to take heed, especially up underneath the overflow of prophetic times. And so having examined what the Lord spoke to us uh, about taking heed on a, on a much more personal basis, as we dealt with, like Brother Jeremy uh, said earlier, the intricacies of, of the mental and the emotional, uh, what's the right word, warfare, really, or, uh, that, that would come against the believer. <clears throat> and we, again, encourage you to go back to those first two podcasts to, to learn more about that. Today, we want to pull the lens back, you know, <laughs> so to speak and view it from the big picture, uh, to view the church as a whole, and not individual parts, but the collective church, and particularly from the point of view of what he warned, and, and what we have actually seen transpire concerning the church of the end time. And, and because we believe that's where we are. First of all, in verse 34, again, we reference where he said, Luke 21, 34, take heed to yourselves. You know, that word yourself, if you actually look it up in, its, in, in the way that it's uh, presented in the original language, it has two components to it. It means the, the person individually, but it also means uh, the collective or the church as a whole. And so there's a personal responsibility, and there's also a personal responsibility to the individual believer 
as he takes or she takes her place in the community of the church. And it's important to understand that so that we can be a strength to our brothers, our brothers and sisters can be a strength to us. And so he's implying by both the personal experience and what the individual believer will have to do in taking heed to themselves and to their hearts, right? He's also implying uh, by those statements and the way it's worded and constructed there that we need to also understand up under these prophetic times that we're witnessing in the final generation that we are going to need to become a collective buffer from the outside influences that would bring us into a position that he mentions at the end of verse 34, which is coming into the snare, which we'll talk about, um, unaware, absolutely without a clue, as if it comes, uh, in, we, we come into that position in a, in a sleep or slumbering way. And so we wanna pull the lens back and we wanna look at the overview of what's actually been happening as we see it. Now, with that in mind, uh, if there's one glaring thing, you know, one glaring thing that is that has been brought into a blinding light in 2020, uh, it's the utter lack of understanding since January of 2020 to this point as we record this podcast this this morning. It's the utter lack of understanding that has been displayed by the so-called national church leadership in America. They have been either woefully silent or they've been proven to be absolute unequivocal false prophets. You know, I think of early on how uh, the, the, the son of the, the Bethel church movement came out. His name is Sean Boltz and how he came out and said that God had revealed to him early on, right, even before we had this lockdown, that the, that the virus wasn't going to abide upon the shores of America very much longer. It'd be gone in a couple days. Well, it's, it's amazing how deeply silent Sean Boltz is now because he was proven to be a false prophet. Or in the charismatic Pentecostal world, it's even more striking that, that uh, Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Copeland Ministries twice stood up on a uh, on a national basis and across the landscape of the internet and and boldly you know rebuked the coronavirus and claimed that it was dead and he he said you know this this heat of the summer was going to burn it all up and and on and on and on only to find such declarations as as absolutely false it, we're still up underneath whether uh you know the extent to how how uh, you know intense the virus is or not it is still present in the country and so i said that to say uh, you know they've either been woefully silent or they've been proven to be false prophets many of them emerged you know the the the, the subset you know like the the b team of the prophets i mean there's everybody's a prophet nowadays you know the b team you know came out and in programs like sid ross it's supernatural and and other such likes, the National uh, Apostolic Reformation Movement, you know, these 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 prophetic uh, people that have labeled themselves prophetic, they've all come out speaking about their dreams, you know, their visions, or declaring their presumptuous so-called prophetic words. And yet what's striking in all of it is it's completely and totally void of Scripture. 
they have no Bible basis for what they're saying. Really, in, 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 a, in a large sense, if you think about it, the last four years where the Pentecostal charismatic and even to some extent the uh, denominational establishment rose to positions of prom- prominence in the political realm here in the United States of America. They became drunk with their ability to have access to power. They wrote books. They created ministries, podcasts, appeared on TV, uh, you know, and raked in millions of dollars uh, as they they gave the political narrative, and they wrapped Jesus in a political framework, and they were riding high. And then they boldly declared as we entered into 2020 that God had showed them uh, that it was going to be a cakewalk, <laughs> that, that we were, you know, that the president was going to be swept into power. And, you know, but here we find ourselves right now. I don't know the outcome of the election, but should for some, uh, you know, incredible, miraculous, you know, thing happen here. And, and, and indeed, the president takes the oath of office. Trust me. Uh, that's just the beginning of what we're about to see if that actually happens. The scenarios that will be played out, now this is my opinion, so forgive me, I'm just giving it giving it to you, but the scenarios that me and my brothers have talked about, none of them are good. They don't end well, none of them. You know, whether the president takes power, whether Biden takes power, it, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, the, the, the scenarios when you play it out in your meditation and think about either side happening, we have reached a point of critical mass. Of absolute crisis, and as it pertains to the so-called prophets in our land, they're absolutely woefully empty and vain. And like 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 the Bible says through the holy prophets of old, they've become like wind. They they have no anointing. They've hewed themselves out broken cisterns that can hold no water, and they have forsaken the fountain of living waters. That's what he had Jeremiah tell their day. So these so-called prophetic words, they're totally void of Scripture. Why? Because they are and they have been for decades now absolutely false. See, that is why the times are, are even more dangerous now as we, as we you know, we, we record this morning. They're even more dangerous now for the church uh, than they have ever been precisely because of the false leadership that has been allowed, uh, you know, to captain the gospel ship, man, <laughs> in America. So uh, over the last several decades, it, it's most dangerous because really there's no understanding. And, and therefore there's a sense of confusion and fear has settled over so many. I mean, really, uh, the church, if you will, however you want to define that, uh, it, it's really like a ship in the midst of a, a storm at sea. Many people are seeking to find a safe harbor, but they find no lighthouse or lighthouses guide them. And as a matter of fact, for the most part, churches are shut all across the land. It's a dangerous time for the church. Remember what Brother Jeremy just read, Luke 21, right, Uh, 31 through 34, the Lord gave a list, especially in verse 34, of what would happen in the final generation. And and he, he laid out the list and the characteristics of the final generation should they fail to take heed like he just told them. 
See, the Lord was warning us. He was imploring us, understanding that the final generation would indeed come up under a conflict of such high-level satanic warfare. See, most people don't understand, uh, you know, simply because they haven't been taught in the ways of the Scripture for so long. And whenever you are up under prophetic times, there is great conflict that, that is taking place. You remember in the book of Daniel, uh, we were told that when Daniel sought understanding for his prophetic times that he was living in, and he sought meaning to what God was revealing to him, he prayed to the Lord. He set himself to fast and pray and seek the Lord for understanding of his times. And, and he did this for 21 days. And what we're told in the book of Daniel is that the, the angel Gabriel burst into uh, Daniel's quarters where he was, and he revealed to Daniel that from the very first day, 21 days before that, when he had set himself to pray, that he was dispatched by the Father, God, into the earth dimension from heaven to bring an answer to Daniel's prayer. But he went on to reveal that as he came to bring that answer, that he was withstood by powerful principalities and powers. Uh, the, 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 the prince of media, Persia, I believe it was, was, was trying to prevent prophetic understanding to, to come into the earth and be brought to the Lord's servant, Daniel. Gabriel goes on to reveal there that it required the archangel Michael himself, who we read about in the book of Revelation, right, chapter 12, that Michael has his own army and that, and that he is under uh, the command of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of hosts. But Michael seems to be the supreme commander, the, uh, the head of the joint chiefs of staff, if you will, of heaven, right? It's, so Michael actually had to come and assist Gabriel to deal with this principality and power, the prince of, of Persia is how he described him, in order to create a dimensional opening, if you will, that allowed Gabriel access to the man of God and bring him understanding. But what we have there is, is, a, is, a, is a plainly revealed thing to us that we need to take note of. Because it was precisely up under prophetic times that that conflict was of such a nature that it affected everything. And it, and, and it was connected in many senses uh, to, uh, to angelic warfare, spiritual warfare in high places connected to events unfolding upon the earth. Now, when Jesus identified the final generation as needing to take heed, it was with that in mind. Because he's not just simply giving us instructions to live a holy life, although that's true. He's doing it in connection with the snare that was going to come upon or uh, the whole world, which we'll look at in verse 35. But before that, if you read Luke 21, as we've done in the first two podcasts, you'll see that he, he began the, uh, the events that he would point our minds to uh, as being the signpost for that final generation, as being the first and foremost thing that he was trying to tell us is that we would see the regathering of Israel. That Israel would first be scattered to the nations of the world. And then he said that at, 
at the end of the time of the Gentiles, which would, which is a twofold thing. One, the nations of Israel of uh, the, the the nation of Israel would be regathered in that far flung future. Uh, would be regathered and reestablished in the promised land. She would be boldly declared to become a nation state. That, that happened in 1948. But then he went on to describe something that we've already discussed called the times of the Gentiles. And he said that the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled would be marked precisely by uh, the, the transference of authoritative power over the capital city of Jerusalem being being handed back to the Jewish state, and that that would be an identifying mark that would really let that that generation know that the end time had arrived. We saw that on May the twelfth, two thousand and eighteen, when the most powerful nation state on the face of the planet, the United States of America, and its president moved the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem. And their prime minister, Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, then gave a speech declaring that after 3,000 years, uh, that the, the city that David had captured by the anointing of the Holy Spirit had once again become the eternal capital city of Israel. And right there, brothers and sisters, the times of the Gentiles' control over Jerusalem in the spirit and in the natural had come to an end. And Jesus said, when you see these things, uh, the generation that sees this, he said, he said, they would not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. And he said that that generation was to mark such a thing and to know that the kingdom of God was at hand. And it was meant to be an anchor for his church because everything that we're sharing right now was the result uh, of Jesus revealing the end time. And up underneath it, the fact that he tells us that we're going to need to know. Read that to us, Brother Jeremy, would you? In verse uh, 31, please. Yes. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. He mentions the, the appearance of the kingdom of God before he reveals the rest. And he's already been revealing quite an extensive uh, set of circumstances, signs, in the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, later he talks about the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them. He's talking about some extraordinary things that would transpire over decades of time. But then it would culminate with the with Jerusalem itself uh, being brought into the control of, of Israel as its eternal capital again. He described it as the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. And then he goes on to say, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is at hand. So before he goes on into the rest, where he talks about, uh, you know, this snare that's coming on the world, he wants them to understand that the end times have come and that they are now entering into an accelerated level of prophetic fulfillment. And we can infer from what he says by re by telling us that we are to know that the kingdom of God is at hand, is that he wants us to enter into this accelerated prophetic time with an anchor for our soul and our spirit. Because the times themselves are going to get increasingly fierce. Remember what Paul told Timothy, know this also that in the last days, perilous times will come. 
primarily because men shall be lovers of their own self. <clears throat> a self-centered, egocentric uh, climate would emerge upon the face of the planet. And so Jesus is revealing you're going to have to know at an intimate level, not just some topical prophetic seminar you attended. He's saying you're going to have to know it's going to be the, the, the very anchor that weighs you and connects you to the certainty of the kingdom of God at hand, so that no matter what is going to transpire as we enter into the days just ahead, we're going to know at a very deep level within our spirit that the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is going to be the thing that allows us with the strength of the Holy Spirit in us to endure. Jesus would say things like he that endures to the end. And so it was 1948, it was the recapturing of Jerusalem and, and the giving over of that power in 2018 that, that furthered us along into prophetic times. But from, uh, you know, uh, the regathering of Israel in 1948 would bring with it, again, an increase of warfare directed at the church in order to bring it into a position of slumber at the time that true prophecy begins to unfold what we're being told is that is that we will have a counter uh, attack, so to speak, by the enemy, and and that's what Jesus goes on to reveal. Precisely uh, when we need to be most awake, he was saying you're going to need to take heed because all the events of these prophetic times and the ripple effect of it and all the frenetic confrontation and battle of the heavens that's going on around you that you may not be able to perceive, he says, your responsibility as an individual and as the collective church is to take heed, to guard your soul, your emotions, because ultimately it's designed to get at your heart. So I want to talk about this. And brothers, please cut me off. I know I can get rolled in here. Uh, as the time unfolded from 1948, the leadership began to compromise even then. And it filtered down to the church across the West. And, and really most egregiously across the church in America uh, from that time. And if you do a, a study of 20th century church history, that, that compromise began to be seen precisely as the Lord warned it would. And remember, the Lord gave the list. Of, of surfeiting and drunkenness in verse 34 of the cares of this life. But as the 20th century unfolded, and, and, and we want to talk about it from this perspective, the big picture, the charismatic and the Pentecostal establishment emerged as, as the primary driving force of Christianity across the world. The fastest growing churches uh, were Pentecostal charismatic churches. Satellite networks emerged. Cable TV began to explode. And then the 30 years that have unfolded between the 1970s and the year 2000, it saw a compromise of doctrine and a false gospel message. And what began to happen was the whole congregation of the mega churches and really even the small community churches, they began to reshape the concept of what Christian or Christianity really looks like. I mean, a whole host of what my precious wife likes to point out to me, and she's right, really, a whole host of second and third generation preachers' kids began to take their positions of leadership within the church 
as as each of their parents began to hand over them the reins uh, 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 of the of the establishment, and they forsook the gospel. They forsook the gospel of their godly parents and their forefathers before them, relegating their parents' word-centered, gospel-centered, Christ-centered, uh, you know, uh, preaching and teaching, really relegating it to the dusty basements of churches and ministries across the land. It's the first thing the Lord said would happen if they failed to take heed to themselves and to their hearts. What we saw is exactly what the Lord said would happen. Surfeiting. Remember, the 70s through the 90s, all the way up to the year 2000, the doctrine shifted. It began to be uh, driven by pseudo signs and wonders. And then out of the charismatic movement, primarily the the father of it, really, uh, if you want to label it on some particular individual, and maybe two, uh, was was the ministry of Oral Roberts, the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. And, and, and they became money, money, money-centered. That's what drove the 70s through the 90s all the way up to the year 2000. But by the time we got to the year 2000, up until our present day, the church began to shift into a sensuality-driven Hillsong, Bethel kind of thing that began to happen as the next generation took over and, and grew up and, 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 and now began to drive the church. This, Like I said, this is going to make some of you mad, but what we began to see emerge is precisely what we saw in the days of Isaiah just prior to the destruction of the nation of Judah. What we began to see emerge is the same thing that happened in Isaiah's day. Women began to come to the forefront of the national uh, ministry. Women began to be uh, at the forefront with their ministry. I can go down the list, whether it's a Joyce Myers or a Paula White or a, or a Beverly Crawford. or you know, We can go down the list, man, and make a whole bunch of people mad. Even up to the point that we have now, that, that I forget her name, uh, that Beth Moore lady that everybody wants to, you know, jump on her bandwagon. Yeah, I, I knew I'd make some of you mad, but yeah, who? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, brother. What you said? Say that again. Cindy Jacobs. Cindy J. Who's she, brother? She's the voice. She, she's the prophetic voice for all this school of prophets, and whatever comes out of her mouth, it's like everybody has to hear it. And she's mm-hmm. always, she's always giving these weird uh, assesses what's going on in a in a weird way, and uh, she gets all these. I mean, she's very respected and and high up there, and with all these false prophets, Cindy Jacobs. Yeah, and and so I I don't mean to make women mad, but that is completely out of order with scriptural authority. But some of the biggest ministries that began to emerge from the year 2000 on were driven by women. And and then what began to happen was the men became increasingly effeminate. Mm-hmm. The pastors became effeminate. The and 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 then this kind of greasy type of preacher began to emerge in the next generation. By the way. Sadly to say, many of the big-time preachers now are being exposed and falling all around us. See, these guys became effeminate, tattooed salesmen, man. They became the ones uh, whose churches were, like like one evangelist says, uh, 
they became uh, churches of big screens, fog machines, and skinny jeans, right? I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, that's what we saw, man. And uh, and that is what became the the mega church movement of the 21st century. And so exactly what Jesus said would happen. The failure to take heed to themselves and to ourselves and to our hearts gave way to what we've been stumblingly trying to describe to you this morning. And the first thing on the list that he mentioned was surfeiting. The word surfeiting literally means the pursuit of sensual pleasure or debauchery. And that's really what debauchery means, the pursuit of sensual pleasure. This has been the result of not taking heed. Now, remember, we're talking about this snare. This is what we're headed to. Because Jesus said that the failure to take heed up under prophetic times that for the, the greatest marking point for, for the final generation really was 1948. It then accelerated with the times of the Gentiles, we believe, being fulfilled when Israel's capital city was handed back to them and they were proclaimed by the most powerful nation on the face of the earth to have the exclusive right to call it its capital and then Benjamin Netanyahu giving the speech saying the eternal capital city of Jerusalem was now in the hands of the Israeli people. All of it was meant to alarm and trigger to us who are paying attention that we are that final generation that Jesus spoke about. And so he goes on to tell us when these prophetic times are occurring that we were meant to really take heed and the failure to do so would get at the spirit. That's what he talked about. Take heed to yourselves and to your hearts. And the, and the taking heed was, was the doubling down of, of the seriousness that would be necessary to maintain our walk within these prophetic times. And that the failure to do so would weaken the, the seat of our spiritual life, which is our hearts. Our hearts would become overcharged or burdened down. And, and that's what he, 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 was, he was cautioning against. But we have seen that the church of this final generation did not take heed. And as a result, everything we've been trying to discuss here, what gave way, all those things we were describing leading up to the 21st century has now crossed over into full-on surfeiting, is what he said would happen. It's the pursuit of, of sensual pleasure. Think about it. You know, worship gave way to, I don't know what, loud, unscriptural pop music, man. I mean, that's what I call it today. New, new age music. New age. New age. Um, yeah, Brother um, Jeremy. You know, Brother Jeremy, talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit because you know, at, when you were younger, you were one of the national uh, or, or one of the national youth directors or something in your denomination when you were still part of it. And you told me you, when you go to those big conferences, that at times you were allowed to to lead the praise and worship. Tell us what praise and worship was yeah. like then, as compared to what it is now. Yeah, I mean, I never got to to that level. I was just moving up the ranks, you know. But I, I had the, you know, I had the opportunity to lead worship in one of the the youth camps. Uh, the their their territorial ones were, you know, back then it was um, 
Uh-huh. You know, it was big. It was all over California, Nevada, Arizona. Yeah. And then you should have had me. For, you should have had me for your agent, brother, your PR director. Yeah, I know. I'll put you on a national basis right there. So. And I should have got no. a manager. But, <laughs> Go ahead. but you know, in, in 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 getting there, you deal with you know with the best talented musicians that that you know the church has, and you know I was ready and uh, to do the worship and and obviously uh, me being old school, I was going to implement you know, hymns and so forth. And I was definitely, I was opposed. I was opposed by the musicians. They wanted to go what had begun there, a more modern, you know, you know, interjecting rap, interjecting. I was like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Wow. And, and that took a lot to what, take what, a stand. What year was this, Brother Jeremy? What year was this? Gee, oh my God. This is, I'm going to say um, around... 94, 95, 96, around the wow, year, so brothers. Uh, so already there, they were, inter- yeah, they were already there. Yeah, they were already there. You know, worldly music, well, right? Yeah. And put, well, yeah, they, but, they were implementing the rap and calling it Christian rap. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it, it sounded exciting, you know. It, it's what the people wanted to, you know. Now you had an excuse to listen to rap and blah, blah, blah. But it, it it's just, I was just shocked at the uh, you know at the level and I, and I had to fight uh for it and said I wasn't going to do it so uh, not that I compromised you know we f- we found a middle ground right back I was right. a young kid you know but um it was it was going to it propelled me uh to go into higher things you know what I'm saying and moving up the ranks but when I finally had the opportunity to the place where many were jealous and wanted to get there I just simply said you know what I couldn't compromise my convictions, and it was just not yeah. worth it to me, you know. And I yeah. think, and it's only the grace of God that allowed me uh, to think that way at that time, you know. So the worship, you know, has been contaminated. It's no longer it's it's new age. It's right. uh, it's it, it's it's even sensual because it cannot stay the same. Once you contaminate yeah. it. It leads into sensualness. It leads into, you know, all these, I mean, just look at all these, not just Hillsong and all these artists, Christian artists that are coming out or Christian worship leaders who no longer even believe in God. You know, we've seen a couple of those cases coming out, you know, who no longer profess, you know, I don't even know. If, and they've written, and they've written some of the most popular songs. They no longer right. believe believe in God, you know. So this, this is where we're at. And it started back then. You know, and wow. I, you know, as a young person, you get caught up a little bit, but then you have enough sense and, and enough word inside of you by the grace of God to say, you know what, uh, nah, that that that's 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 not right. That's not right. You Incredible. know, uh, something's not right here. And you know, and people will call you. You know, you're being a legalist. You just this is the new music that that, that the young people like. We got to do it this way and. Uh, you know, I just wasn't willing to 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 compromise that at that time, and still today, obviously, you know, we we, we stand by mm-hmm. by um the true worship, you know. And I also wanted to mention something, brother, because at, at the beginning, you know, what as you said, we want to lay out the big picture, right? Uh, yeah. How this is impacting the church as a whole, and for some reason, brother Marty and brother Fernando, the the parable that that keeps that continues to come to me is the parable of the weed okay because what i see there if you want to speak whether 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 specifically about our nation or about the world you know it it, it just keeps speaking to me 
how remember you know remember when the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed a, a good seed in the field right and i believe that was yes. our nation right huh. but what happened while the men slept mm-hmm. preachers you know the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his mm-hmm. way you know and and they did not notice it until years later right because like like the yeah. music the example we're using it didn't just get there but now we're seeing the results of where we're at now. Because look what it says. When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, so so the servants came, should we take him out? What should we do? He says, don't do that. He says, first of all, an enemy has done this, but be careful because while you, you gather up the tares, you're going to root up the wheat. But he says, he right. said something, let them both grow until the harvest. And and what Jesus is referring there to, and we're going to see, we see it in verse 39 where he says, the harvest is the end of the world. Yes. And so what I believe, you know, just trying to look at things from the, from a greater picture, right? A bigger picture. It's almost like it was necessary for these things to happen. And and this is, and and what we have been heading towards this. And now we find ourselves at the end of the harvest where God is about to reap. And he's going to make a separation between the tear and the wheat. And I, I hope I'm not out of base, but, but I think I see a, a very, uh, what we're talking about, this has to do everything with it. If you look at it in a general picture, because he says, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is what? The world. The good seed yeah. are the children of the kingdom. But the tares mm-hmm. are the children of the wicked. And the enemy that sowed this is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. So I would just kept thinking about that uh, parable, how that's that's what has been happening in our nation. It started yeah. off with a good seed. While we slept, the enemy came and planted tares. And now, mm-hmm. but, he, but, but then when they tried to take them out and root them out, they said, leave it there. Because you might root out the weed. Let it grow together. It's necessary. But at the end, at the end of the harvest, which is the end of time or the end of the world, they shall be um uh I, i'm going to do the separation yeah so that's good no you know you're making me think just to, you know just to throw my little thoughts in there um i i did a study on that one time and 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 what you're saying and when i looked at what the tears are um i forget the name of it what they call it but it takes a trained eye to discern the difference between the wheat and the tear because they look almost yes, identical, yes. right? They look almost yes. identical. Yes. And, and so it is the spirit of God that, that, that reveals, uh, because I think in that parable, if I'm not uh, mistaken, it says his servants came, right. And told him, yes, what happened yes. here? <laughs> we, we see this horrible thing going on. But yeah, you know, that that's the thing is that the way the enemy moves in that end time parable, which Jesus is revealing, is that it'll look similar, but it's not real, right? And and, and it's specifically tied to the end of the world, right? Yeah. So that's, yes. that's, uh, that's why I think you're, you're right on when you're talking about, uh, or adding that into the, into the stream of thought here. Yeah. What you just said tears, and I'm just looking it up. It means a darnel or false grain. Yeah. And what that means? Darnell. It, 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 right. Darnell. It's a kind of it's a kind of darnel resembling wheat, except the grains are black. So we we yeah. see here how it looks the same, 
but it's a yeah. false grain. That's what the Bible calls. That's the meaning. Of it. It's a, that's what a terror. It's a false grain. It looks like it. It resembles it, but it's 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 uh, you know, it's different. It's it looks, but it's not. Yeah, so just to that's good. To Very good. Yeah, and I think that that's what we see. Uh, you know, in, in, in you know, in, in in going along with what we're talking about here, it is why the Lord said, and maybe I'm not doing a good job of describing what I'm trying to really communicate the sense of what I have in my spirit. Again, uh, brother Fernando said it well the other day too, when he talked about um, how that the prophetic times themselves, if they're not responded to correctly, they work the exact opposite of what they're intended to do. When you discern that times are happening, uh, but yet you, you don't uh, understand that it requires uh, a particular spiritual response or adjustment or whatever you, what words you want to use that all it will end up doing then is putting you in that position of of being absolutely asleep when the crucial time arrives you'll 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 fall into a sense of slumber and and that's why we pulled the lens back to look at it as a big picture because right now what we're talking about is that the church in our country here in the United States um it, by and large now um, is asleep, has no answers. It doesn't know what's going on. And we're trying to say we've come to this point where we believe as we go on in our study the, the, the remainder of our week that the snare that Jesus was talking about has indeed caught uh, a majority of the church flat-footed, having absolutely no clue what is happening. And to this day, they have no clue. Many have doubled down on their false prophecies. Many have adjusted them. They're like headline prophets, right? I mean, they read the right. headlines and then act, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but, brother Marty, and I'm, I, I, I think you're, I think you're explaining it correctly. Uh, the, the way I think we're understanding it, and going back to the to that to the uh, to the parable that I that I that I just mentioned, that's what he says. That while men slept. That that was the snare. Uh, the enemy yeah. came and sold the 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 uh, the tares, right? And, yeah. and and again and again, it's almost like God has allowed us. You know, I come from a denominational background, and while there's things I'm grateful for, but it's, I've also God allowed me to see the ugliness of it. Does that make sense? It was necessary. Yeah. You know, every, you know, uh, each each and every one of us has seen, you know, the ugliness of ministry, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it's like if God is saying it's necessary for you to understand the time of the harvest that is coming, because, mm -hmm. you know, right now some of us find ourselves in churches and maybe God has had us there to be a light, but there's a separation that is coming. God is about to gather. He's going to gather what belongs to him. But he's also going to allow the, the tares to be gathered in bundles. <laughs> you know, this is where yeah. we're at. We can no longer say, yeah. well, brother, no, God is telling us, come out uh, because of, 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 of what is coming together. And again, that's the snare to me that while the men slept, that's when the, you know, the, the tear was sold. Now God has allowed us to see what we have seen at least, the very least, in the last 30 years. Look at where we're at now as a church, as a whole. Yes. So, uh, you know, Praise again, God. I just wanted to bring that out. <clears throat> no, that's good. Very good. Uh, Brother Fernando, any thoughts? 
Uh, no, just 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 listening to the to the conversation. Um, well, I, I mean, going back to to, to what we were talking about, um, how all this initiated, um, you know, the false prophets, uh, the 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 all star team of false prophets coming to the forefront. Um, <laughs> yeah, all star team. Who are <laughs> you know sons and sons and daughters of. Uh, you know, old time, old fashioned preachers, um, and, and how they ended up here. Uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 what I marvel at. Is mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine, and I said, "Hey, you know what? You know what I marvel at is how a lot of the greatest preachers that you know uh, we we read about." towards the end of their life they 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 seem to come 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 with a new doctrine yeah you ever thought about that uh mm-hmm. which is which is which which is quite interesting but uh you know like great preachers that preach the solid gospel but all of a sudden as their ministry is coming to an end or they're getting older you know they have a new revelation <laughs> you know uh you spoke about uh, Oral Roberts, you, you know, mm-hmm. and you go down a list of, of these preachers, and, and now we have the sons and daughters of, spiritual sons and daughters of these preachers who are now yeah. at the forefront, and and we have what we have now, so um, and, absolutely. And I, do you think, Brother Fernando, that it's, that, that happens in a sense, you know, what we were talking about yesterday, is that mental, you know, that, that works against them, you know, maybe... Uh, towards the end of their uh, ministry, they had a moral failure, right? And so they have yeah. to deal with yeah. those mental battles. You get what I'm saying? Those, those. You yeah. think it has to do with that, or, or maybe it's like, how can I resurrect, you know, my, <laughs> my ministry, you know, with something new, you know? And, and, and I think it goes back to the sophisticated way, the way the attacks come to us mentally, spiritually. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 we can totally lose our way and 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 sad to say what do you think that maybe you know this is hard to say but some many end up like Saul who started off good right mm. at the end mm-hmm. he, he I, I don't know man he 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 lost it what do you yeah. think i mean you think it's a mental breakdown that you guys see brothers <clears throat> well yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about the snare, right? And and how we ended yeah. up here and mm-hmm. and you know, we're talking about church history and, and, and the the evolution of the church, um, the, the moral failures of the church and 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 how they came up with doctrines to justify their desire for greed or the or the their immoral issues. Um mm-hmm. and, 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 and doctrines have been twisted and bent you know, to justify their actions. And now you have children, spiritual sons and daughters who have bought into these teachings and we have the world in the church now, unchecked. Unchecked, right. Right. Uh, Yeah, so this this is where we're at. This is what we're talking about. Um, And then then you throw in now a pandemic and, and the lies of these false prophets concerning the pandemic, their false prophecies, um and so forth and so on um it's it if if you've been a student of church history 
you know, and that's what we're trying to give you is, is a history class on, on how we ended up where we're at and how right. Jesus begins to warn us about this snare. Yes. This trap. It's been a, it's been a very well-devised trap of the enemy uh, within the church. You know, mm-hmm. in the pandemic in now, and we have this chaos. Right? Yes. And then, and that's what we're talking about is that, because when we get to this point soon, and, and uh, that's why we're taking our time through this, again, series, which is our custom, it seems like. But, <laughs> but um, it, because that's precisely it, Brother Fernando, because that's what Jesus is, is saying, is that, that what would happen if we didn't during prophetic times, and then again, we refined it down to the capital of Jerusalem coming under the control of Israel, accelerating the times, and, and what it's going to bring about. See, much of what is happening right now in front of us is complete. If you'll admit it to yourself, there's been times, you, at least me, you know, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but, uh, you know, just to be frank and open and honest, there's been times where I've actually had to, like, really rein myself in um, mentally uh, because I have a, such a heightened sense of, like, things are completely out of control, and we don't have any power to change it. It's not like you can just go like down the street and, and talk to the mayor and say, hey, could you fix this? It's headed and moving to an inevitable conclusion. And that is why we have this feeling of uncertainty and anxiety. But see, Jesus warned us when he said, take heed, that that's precisely what would happen. And, and, and should we fail to do that as an individual and then collectively as the community of the church, that it would give way to surfeiting drunkenness and living a life that is horizontal, the cares of this life, in effect, spiritually overcharging your spirit, which is from which the forces of life flow. My wife and I were talking about this the other day, which gives you the strength coupled with a properly aligned mental and emotional attitude uh, in, in uh, energized by the Holy Spirit to resist the very thing that is that is seeking to put you to sleep, so that when an, when a 2020 arrives, it won't be a an unexpected thing to you. You may not understand what the full ramifications of this year has truly been at the beginning, but if you're awake, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you piece by piece and show you exactly where you are. Contrarywise, or 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 uh, you know, contrast that with the church that didn't take heed and and that gave itself to surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, they have no answers. And unfortunately, over the last 20 years, uh, if you've become part of the church that is now, much of what you've heard over the last several months, at least with these podcasts, has been strikingly different to what you've gotten from your pulpits over the last several years. You know, because that's why we're, that's what we're talking about. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, that's true. You know, brother, yeah. um, Jesus gave the, the, the parable and the example of the, uh, what does he call it? The grain of mustard seed, right? It doesn't look like much. And I think many ministries, while they started off, you know, with 6A, as they always say, but the moment the fame, the spotlight, the money, the building, everything came, they started off at the top. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
and <laughs> you know, but the, the the true gospel because that's what that's what's at stake right now is the gospel that's being compromised right now. The, the gospel, the Bible compares it to a grain of mustard seed. It doesn't look like much in the beginning, but you plant it, and it will begin to grow and grow, and it becomes the greatest, you know, yeah. uh, among yeah. all the trees. But see, we, you know, we you want said, to start you said, yes, I'm sorry, ahead, brother. No, no, no you said ahead, something there that that, that really uh, that I, that's really important. You talked about uh, that 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 these this new generation over the last 20 30 years that came into positions of prominence in the establishment as it pertains to the church that you likened them to uh you know to those that that, that didn't earn that position right that's what you were just right. saying it was given you know their fathers yes. yeah their exactly. fathers forged uh through consecration sanctification the holiness of the word all that stuff man uh, forged a, a ministry or at least handed the baton over uh, to to a new generation that didn't pay the price. They weren't on their face. They weren't crying out to God. They didn't study the word. But they were given at the, at the, at the elite level, at the national level is what we're talking about, because everything that happened at the top uh, filtered down into the regional churches and then even the small churches are affected by what they saw transpire over a 20, 30 year period, but they didn't earn it. It was handed to them. And so they found no value. You know what it reminds me of? I was born and raised in the, in the garment industry with my father and, and I, we worked, you know, together, had our own company. You know, my parents had their own company and I worked for them and all that kind of stuff. But, but growing up, what I saw was precisely what you said, just from a worldly perspective, there were great men and women of of of, of industry in, in the garment industry that I met as a child, who forged, you know, with the elbow grease and the sweat of their brow, great companies. Some of them even listed on the stock exchange back then, and and uh, and then when they passed away and they gave uh, their businesses to their children, they hadn't paid the price like their parents, and so they found no value in it, and they were willing to sell it off for temporary gain. And in many ways, the church was sold down the stream, if you will, by this current crop of false prophets, false teachers, and preachers who have no clue about what it really means to be men, uh, men of God. Not that we claim to be. We're just dudes, man, right? I mean, Jeremy's the only <laughs> legitimate pastor here amongst us. But, but for the most part, we're just guys that, that are just standing back and looking and seeing uh, what we see transpiring. And we think that the Lord has told us that this precisely is what would happen. And so again, let's return brother, to this. Brother because... Marty, go ahead, brother Marty. Just just look at Luke twenty one, the chapter we're studying, how it begins. Um, the Holy mm. Spirit uh, talks about this, and Jesus shows us. And he says, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. Wow. He saw a certain poor widow casting into their two mites. There you go. Why? Mm -hmm. Why does it begin like this? Because this is exactly what has triggered the judgment of God in our nation. Wow. Right? It's, it's the gifts. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the greed. It's the money. But it also speaks yeah. uh, prophetically of, of what's coming upon the earth, right? One treasury, one economical system. Everyone's casting uh, their, their money into it, right? And, and the widow <laughs> is an allusion to, to the prophet Elijah's day, so forth and so on. Yes. But, but yes. just, just talking about just talking about the church here, this is what's taking place, right? 
You have the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, right? The, 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 the men of prominence. And then you have the poor also giving their money, mm-hmm. right? A, a, a widow giving whatever she has. Yeah, a corruption was taking place in the temple. Incredible. Of, 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 of financial gain. Why, why yeah. was this widow without anything? Mm-hmm. Why, why, all she had was two mice. The, 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 the money that was given to the treasury was to help her. That's right. That's, That's right. That's oh, man, you're, you're, these are great subjects, right? Because as you brothers know, we've had the privilege uh, of, of, of having access to certain levels of, of national ministry. And, and what we got to see, when I say privilege, it's the privilege of the spirit to learn. And what we saw is precisely what you're talking about, is that is that they would like see my wife taught a story one time in, in her uh, in a message she gave to 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 the women one time, I think, or to the church. I don't remember. But uh, it, it, it's up before there when Jesus is dealing with with the Pharisees. Uh, verse forty five through forty seven. Can you read that, brother Fernando, in, in chapter 20? Of uh, Luke? Luke? Yes, 45 through 47. It says, Then in the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feet, which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. And then it goes into what you were just sharing, right? He looked up and saw the rich men casting gifts into the treasury and this poor widow come. He basically called them out. You know, he said, you've actually built your wealth and your your prestige and your long robes and all that on widows' houses. You know, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and then you sound trumpets when you start giving and, 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 and then here comes this poor widow. All she has left is because that's all you've left her with. And yet she's willing to give right. Right. <laughs> it's a powerful um, thing there, man. And, 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 it, and it's connected it's connected to what we're talking about. It's the snare that's here. All 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 it. these mm-hmm. false prophets that are, you know, falsely prophesying, they've all preached this gospel. In some yes. shape or right. form, this Greek gospel that we're talking about that has just left the, the houses of widows empty. You know, so so why we are in the mess we're in right now mm-hmm. is because of that kind of ministry. Yes. It put us to sleep, right? Like Brother Jeremy Correct. was saying. Yeah. Men slept. It's interesting as we get back to the surfeiting part, and, and, and it's not without notice, Brother Fran, I just maybe I want to make sure that our brothers and sisters that are following along with us, uh, take note of what you said, because you said something really key there. You said when, when chapter 21 begins, we have a situation where we have right. a separation amongst the establishment and the poor. And and then it goes into Jesus predicting the destruction of the whole system, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> that's what you're yeah. saying. That, you that's know. powerful. That's powerful. Not, not one stone have... shall be left, he says. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, right. socialism, so, uh, socialism of sorts in the church, right? Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing that caused trouble in, in the book of Acts, remember? 
when the disciples were not That's willing right. to, to, to yield, their, their understanding and concept of the gospel became a socialist gospel. You know, everybody was bringing their money to the apostles. And it brought about the martyrdom of Stephen because out of it, the devil worked what he can only do and caused resentment between the, the widows of the Greeks and the widows of, of, of the Jews. The Greeks complaining that they weren't getting as much as the Jewish women were getting or widows were getting. And then so it necessitated a, a, an event-driven uh, poor choice, which was you guys choose seven deacons for yourself, which brought Stephen to the forefront, which caused even more jealousy, which ultimately led to his death. Right. So, right. I mean, yeah. that's for another day. But, but I just wanted to point out what you said there because it goes, it's 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 incredible because then he goes into everything we're talking about right here as he begins to reveal and unfold the end of time. The Lord saw things in such a way, bro, that, uh, brothers, that was so incredible to me because in that giving, as Luke records it, um, and, and the widow and the contrast between the rich and the widow in the establishment of the temple structure, he saw the end of the world. <laughs> it's quite amazing. But, okay, yes. so let's yes. let's get to this point real quick. Uh, so, again, he told them to take heed up under these prophetic times, and we haven't, and we didn't. And so it, the very first thing always happens, that survey, surveying. He, the Lord didn't give a list as it came to his thought process, like, let's see, you know, there'll be surfeiting and ah, maybe. No, it, I mean, he gave the list precisely so that we would learn how we descend into the place of slumber when it comes to understanding prophetic events and specifically what would be alerting to, to his church within the within the context of the final generation. And so as we were talking about, it is no... It is no accident that the decline that we've been discussing this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you're listening, uh, first manifested itself as surfeiting, uh, which is the pursuit of sensual pleasure, material gain, on and on and on. And then it translated itself in, you know, in, in the way it began to manifest itself as we were closing out into the 21st century was, was worship. The music began to change. Brother Jeremy took it all the way back to, to the early 90s in his experience. I remember the mid-80s. They were We were having uh, punk bands and and uh, yeah, those, lead, yeah. those leotard-wearing guys, right, <laughs> that were bringing Christian, yeah. so-called Christian rock <laughs> into the church. And in the 70s, even the, the seeds were being laid then. There was a band uh, that was called DeGarmo and Key. And, and other bands like that that began to mm. try and bring the Imperials. <laughs> yes, the Imperials. Yeah. The Imperials. <laughs> I, I still like them a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll pray for you, brother. I, I won't pull that. I don't want to pull that. I don't want to pull that tear up unless I, I, I hurt you. So we'll, we'll just leave that there. No, seriously. <laughs> Uh, we sound like clothesline preachers now, but yeah, I tell you what. But I told you this is an uncomfortable subject, right? Because it, it, it crept in, though. It it, it crept yes. in. As, as and, the, you know, as, as the, the 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 example I gave of the parable parable of the weed, it it crept in while they slept. It crept yes. in. We began to accept a little bit, but now, okay, so now then they came. Okay, well, if you accept rock and roll, then what's wrong with Christian rap? And then it okay if you accept a little bit of Christian rag. What about reggaeton? I know you're not familiar with that, brother Marty, but it's a, yeah. it's, it's a no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but reggaeton and, and then this other type of 
crazy. Now we have new age. That's what we have. Yeah, totally. New age m- music. So yes, it, it crept into the church. While the men and, and I want to and remember what Jesus pointed out there, like you were reading there, is it was it was the devil's doing. It was Satan himself who did it. Yes. And so I think it's yes. interesting that what we really began to see that was the first obvious sign that the church had had entered into that surfeiting process that Jesus speaks about is did manifest itself in the worship. You know, Satan was the chief worship leader, you know? And so when he, we know from how the, the music began to change that it is precisely an act of satanic will corrupting the church that was falling asleep, even though prophetic signs were all around it. You know, that's what we saw. And it gave way really to, like we said, what did they begin to do as we came into the 21st century? We started changing the whole format of the church. I mean, we were dimming the house lights, you know, our sanctuaries were darkened, uh, you know, our our our, uh, our sanctuaries became miniature theaters for a, for a production, a, a presentation, video screens, you know, like we said, big screens and fog machines and skinny jeans, like the preacher said. I mean, that's what that's what we have now. And, and our worship gave way to loud, un, unscriptural, well, I call it pop music. And then. Also, the message began to change. If you think about topics of prayer and and, and the second coming of the Lord, which had been which had been the driving uh, doctrine of the church and, and salvation and, and those messages, uh, you know, the blood of Jesus, all that kind of stuff, for two thousand years until this generation. And, and and then what happened as we entered into the 21st century, the blossoming. Uh, of of and the fruit of all that, represented by by Hillsong and Bethel. For those of you who aren't familiar, you can look it up. You can research it. But, uh, you know, Hillsong and Bethel have been the worst corrupting force across the modern. See, I'm going to make some people mad. We'll probably lose some people over this. But you know what? I'm just telling you the truth. You know, they came front and center the last 10 years especially. And they have replicated their ideology and their pseudo gospel uh, globally. I mean, you go to Africa. And I, it breaks my heart to say this, but one of the chief places we went to Africa and held massive crusades across East Africa, that that brother who had a church of 50,000 people, uh, which is massive, who I used to and my family used to travel with and we'd preach crusades all across Africa, um, has turned his church into a hillsong. I mean, it's, you know, nothing but video screens and, you know, these poor people. Uh, it's crazy. And then, and then, you know, he's got all them false prophets coming across, you know, the Murdochs and the Cindy Jacobs and all them have been at his platform now. It's the corruption that has put the whole world to sleep. And it has emanated from Australia and the United States. But it came front and center and it replicated themselves globally. So that doesn't mean whether you have a mega church or a regional church or a small church of a hundred, the same thing has been reproduced. And people that have come into the church up under this new system, this corrupted system, they have no idea what real Christianity looks like. It's not their fault. It's what, what it's what's been fed to them. But nonetheless, you know, the seeking of wealth. The the, the the false gospel, the false worship, no gospel being preached, really. Uh, you know, scripturally uh, driven messages have been replaced with a mixture of, of uh, you know, current philosophical, cultural thought and, uh, and me-centered, uh, self-centered, ego-driven, you know, s- you know, stroke my ego and make me feel good kind of preaching, 
with no mention of Jesus, no mention of the second coming of the Lord, no, you know, thundering men of God calling us to, to examine ourselves in, in light of the fact that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account for why we've done the things that we've done. Mm-hmm. And what makes it work, <laughs> and, and then this is kind of like evolved, right, into this, you know, uh, I began to see things that come out on TV, you know, where, where once we had the sacred marriage bed now, we've got talk shows that bring sexual topics out in the public arena where you have pastors and their wives sitting across each other discussing the most intimate details that were never meant to be brought to the forefront. You've got preachers from pulpits dealing with subject matters that I wouldn't I would cover my wife's ears and I wouldn't want my children around that. I would blush in those kinds of things. You know, the once sacred marriage bed is now brought into the open. And as the church grew more sensual, surfeiting is what Jesus said, the fact that we even have such open public discussion reveals what they've been exposing themselves to. The fact that they're mm. so deadened in their consciences that they could bring such sacred things that God said the marriage bed is undefiled. The marriage bed and the intimate relationship between a Christian man and, and his wife, it is private. But because we have given ourselves to seeking worldly pleasures over the last 20, 30 years within the confines of this mega church kind of attitude, we, we, we have totally revealed what it is that we've become obsessed with, the images of the world, the fashions of the world, uh, the ideas of the world. All of it translated now into our public national discussion in the church where we have no blushing anymore. And we think nothing of sitting across each other discussing the most private issues that were meant to be sacred and holy between a man and a wife. It's now been brought into the open. No longer do you hear about wives submit yourself to your husband, and neither do you hear husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. All of that was replaced with uh, church seminars about what surviving divorce and and grace for second chances or second third and fourth marriages all of it's okay now right i mean what is wrong here <laughs> there's no more preachers there's, there's no preachers preachers are now called psychologists counselors uh life coaches, coaches. life coaches <laughs> right so you know yeah. to preach to be called a preacher is to be called someone who preaches brimstone and hell and so forth, and we're trying to get away from it. I was reading an article of this popular couple, young couple that ministers to the celebrities, who who says that when they ask them questions, they don't give answers; they only respond. And what that means is that they don't in no way compromise. They have no stance. It's homosexual. It's homosexuality is sin. There, it's not an answer, yes or no. It's Jesus loves them. We accept everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we become. And I began to see that when in, in 95 to 97, when I was in the seminary, I began to see that uh, these new, these, these, these uh, intensive, uh, uh, um, intensive uh, weeks that we would have where they would bring a special guest, these young doctors were now challenging how to reach the culture, you know, how to be different. You know, all of that began and and began to see those who believed in just preaching the gospel as old-fashioned. We need ways. We should uh, offer donuts. We should have an outing. We should do that. And it began to crep and crep in. Now we don't have preachers. 
But we have, right. I'm not going to say the word, I'll just call them coaches and psychologists and so forth. But you I, get what I'm saying, brother. We yeah, don't have absolutely. The gospel. And, and the fruit of it and the fruit of that kind of ministry has given way to what we're describing here right now. Now everybody's listening to secular music. See, now this makes people uncomfortable and mad, you know, because, I mean, even, well, it's just country music. Well, all they sing about is going down the road, half drunk, crying because their wife left them for their best friend who just rides a bull. You know, I mean, whatever. He's a bull rider, right? I'm crying in my beer because, you know, oh, Whiskey River, take my mind. You know, I'll waltz across Texas with you. I mean, what in the world (laughs) I got to do with anything? I mean, you want to edify your spirit. You want to worship God. You wonder why you have the problems you have. It's because you've plugged into a stream that is filled with muddy water. Country music, no problem. God likes all kinds of music. I heard a sister uh, share with me, one of her beloved friends uh, shared that her friend had had a dream that she was caught up into heaven. And I hope I'm saying this right. She was caught up into heaven and she's walking down the streets of heaven and she came across a French cafe where she sat down and had a a, 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 a latte or something and, and, and she could hear the French music playing in heaven. She goes, I just think God likes all kinds of music. Are you insane? Are you actually that stupid? Sorry. Now listen, <laughs> God, God likes all kinds of music. Yes. If it glorifies him, if it glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, read the 150 Psalms right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. That's how much God loves music. But read that music and compare it to what we're listening to today. What about sensual fashions? That's what we have in the church today. Everybody's running around half-dressed, breasts hanging out, guys with their shirts unbuttoned. You know, I mean, there's no modesty. Shamefacedness. Oh, see, man. (laughs) Uh, I'm just laughing because I know I'm making all kinds of people uncomfortable. Suddenly, none of that's any problem. Hey, should we talk about going to the movies? Ooh, shut up. Turn it off, Mildred. Listen, suddenly it's no problem, man. I mean, because we decline, we're descending into this, you see. We've descended into it. It may have started with a little, you know, toe being my big toe dipping in the warm water of the pool. Well, now we're just swimming in it, man, spitting water out of our mouth. We don't care because we have no conscience, because we have gradually been deadened. And all the while, what's been coming upon us and what's actually happening in the world has put us to sleep and we have no clue what's really going on. You know, going to the movie house, watching sex, violence, foul language, no problem. I'm under grace. Don't be a holy roller. Look, man, I've been guilty of the same thing. I mean, I've gone and saw some things. I walked out of the theater and went, oh, man, I wish I hadn't seen that. I don't anymore. But it's only because my, my spirit rises. Up and says, I can't listen to that garbage. I can't watch that. I can't, you know. And, 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 and look, I'm not trying to put no guilt trip on somebody. You know, take it to the Lord. He'll help you overcome whatever the issue is. I, I just want you to understand that. But we're talking to you from the big picture here. It's now common, on and on and on. Now, this gives way to the second the second thing on the list, and we're going to hurry here, but uh, verse 34, he says, surfeiting. We just dealt with surfeiting, but now he talks about drunkenness. It would be the next thing or, or part of the thing that would put the church to sleep at precisely the moment it needs to be awake. We saw, uh, you know, <laughs> pastors now telling congregations it's okay to drink. It's okay. No worries. Who cares about the struggling 
uh, you know, alcoholic or the guy that's addicted, you know, to alcohol or, or whatever, you know, and, ah, don't worry, pastor does it. I even read in a newspaper article where some pastors have, have taken to having ministry to the bars on Wednesday nights. They actually have their Bible studies conducted in the local pub as an outreach. Unbelievable. Drunkenness, Jesus said. We're seeing it now. But understand this. Now, this is where I'm really going to lose the rest of our audience, brothers. <laughs> I'm just teasing. It's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable with what I'm about to say. Because what Jesus said when he said drunkenness, it doesn't just mean drinking. Uh, uh, you know, he's coming after us, too. Listen, it, it literally means any intoxicant. Anything that intoxicates. And that includes pharmaceuticals. Okay, my doctor gives it to me. This is going to bother a lot of people, but instead of the pastor teaching us how to find peace through the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, no. Now he pats us on the back and says, oh, it's okay. You're just bipolar. Or you're just depressed. Or you have so much anxiety. You're schizophrenic. You need a Valium every now and then, a Xanax, some Adderall for your, uh, what do they call those children now? You know, it used to be we disciplined those children. Now, I'm not talking about everybody, so don't get mad at me, but let me tell you something. Uh, we have had a rise in giving our children drugs simply because we refuse to be the parents, the fathers, the mothers that we were always meant to be. So if he gets a little out of line, he's, uh, he, I forget what they call it. <laughs> you know, they give OCD. him drugs. OCD. What do they call it? Yeah, OCD. Like OCD what is it got? Well, that's one. Another thing they they the labels they give. Yeah, something like that, right? He's just an unruly child, but it's actually a, a mental illness, right? Oh, and, and and should we should we talk about your your medical marijuana? Oh my God, brother Marty, are you serious? People smoking dope in the church? Well, the doctor said you could. Unbelievable. God forbid <laughs> that we take time. Uh, you know, even a drop of our time to consider that the conditions that we find ourselves in is because we are so worldly, so self-centered, that we don't even realize that our lack of consecration to the Lord is precisely why we're in the condition we're in, like Brother Fernando was saying earlier. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. My, my. All right. Moving right along. So, of course, these two things on the list are are, are are producing uh, the next thing that he says, a horizontal life, a horizontal living. We don't set our sights on things above. That's the third thing on the list and the final piece to the puzzle that puts has put the church in this position of absolute slumber. Jesus called it the cares of this life. And, 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 and that just simply means being so caught up in this world that you have no sense of heaven or of what the word really says. So what happens? 2020 arrives, right? And and we have been all these years in a prophetic time. But now 2020 arrives and we've been caught completely unaware. In in, in these prophetic times we've been caught unaware to the extent that 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 the false church and the and and the false preachers have had this 2020 fall upon them completely. God, that's what unaware means. It means unexpected, unforeseen, and sudden. The snare has arrived. 
Brother Jeremy, would you turn over to Matthew 11 as we close for today? Matthew 11. Yes. Because Jesus warned the culture of his day, and it applies to our day, because we've seen so much. And and because of our compromise, all of us, I mean, I throw my, I mean, I have, I've, I've, at one time or another, we've all been guilty of something in this, 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 these brief things we've been talking about. And if you haven't, well, praise the Lord. I'll be tuning into your podcast later. All right. <laughs> so this is, uh, are you there, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus addressing uh, the, those who had come under his prophetic visitation. Listen, the appearance of the Son of God. What does he say in verse 23 and 24? Because it is really what he's saying to the church in America. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. See, and he was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and you know, our country, the church in this country, the establishment at the highest levels, we have the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we've had the greatest preachers the world has ever seen. We've had more blessings than anybody. We've had more undeniable prophetic events come to pass, and none of it has shaken us to that place of repentance and seeking God as a whole. Now, I mean, I'm not talking. I'm not talking to you listening to us. Trust me, I'm not dealing with our audience in any way. I know you love God, but I also know that. Somewhere along the line of what we're saying today, maybe it makes you think a little bit of what we've actually seen and are seeing in the church today. But remember, God always has his people. Brother Jeremy brought up the ten virgins the other day, the five wise, the five foolish, and that they all slumbered and slept. But remember that that there was there was one who was awake. He's the one who cried at the midnight hour that said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. So not everybody falls asleep, right? God always has his people. And what the Lord was saying was that those who who, who were able to overcome the surfeiting, the drunkenness, the cares of this life kind of inundation would not be caught unaware. Like we said earlier, when the snare arrived, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily know right away exactly how to define it. But they would know that it was prophetic. They were not asleep. God always has his children, those that are awake, at least sensitive to the Spirit. And that's what the Lord goes on to reveal. He rejoices in it uh, in, uh, in, in verse, uh, what is it? Let's see here. I think it's verse 25. Read verse 25 and 26 to us, Brother Jeremy. And at that time answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. 
What he's actually saying is that those who should have known better, especially at the high levels, who were responsible for the spiritual condition of Capernaum and really Israel throughout, throughout, uh, they they had abrogated their position of authority by sheer uh, weight of the fact that they became like Brother uh, Jeremy was describing in the parable he shared, that they became like Brother Fernando pointed out, you know, in the separation between the elite and 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 the so-called poor of of the church system. But Jesus said, up underneath these prophetic times, and he likened it to Sodom and the judgment that came upon it. He likens it to the days of Noah. And here he says that he rejoices that what should have been obvious to those who found themselves in a compromised position, claiming to be wise and prudent, so to speak, uh, those that, 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 that have the reins of the word in their hands, he's referring to the scribes and the Pharisees, He says, you have revealed the truth to the uneducated, to the young, to the children, so to speak. See, it's going to suddenly begin to become even more apparent to those who are not practiced experts in the things of Christianity, but who love God with all their heart. So they haven't been tainted by the obstructionist preaching of those that have blocked the way. Like Jesus said, you know, you compass the whole world to to seek a disciple. And when you have found him, you turn him into twice the the child of hell that you are. And he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And he said, woe to you, lawyers, because you shut up the kingdom of heaven. You lay burdens on men. You don't go in yourself. And you shut the door for them to come in. No, there is an awakening taking place. And and all of us are in different positions of, of that awakening right now. But he's reaching those whose hearts are like children who want to know, and he will open their eyes. And he declared it. You have revealed it unto them, Father, because it seemed good in your sight. And then he gives us the comfort and the promise of all this. Read it in verse 27 through 30, Brother Jeremy, would you? Yes. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he to whom whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, brothers and sisters, that's his comfort. That's his promise in our time. Come to him. You don't need an intermediary between you and Jesus. You can come to him right where you are. See, what the Lord is saying is that we're going to make it. For the world and the false church, the end, the end of times indeed has begun. But for God's children, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. See, a glorious destiny is beckoning us where every tear will be wiped away, where we'll never have to say goodbye to the people that we love, where we will behold our Lord, our Father, our King, our Savior, Jesus, the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking forward to hearing real worship from the magnificent choirs of heaven, man. And we will live forever in his new heaven and his new earth, where death will be swallowed up in victory, Paul said, right? 
praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of our Lord. He alone is worthy. And, and, and you know, we love him and we pray that he comes quickly. Remember, as we said, the Lord spoke in the next verse of that snare. Verse 35, something that would affect the whole world, the whole earth. His children are going to know what's really happening. He's revealing it to babes, like he said. And this is where we begin tomorrow. We come to it. We believe the snare has begun. We'll describe it and explain it and explore its ramifications. But we believe it began in January of 2020. And this is what we'll look at tomorrow. And what else we believe the scriptures is telling us is just ahead of us. We are indeed the most privileged generation since the early church in the book of Acts. Because we will see the return of the king. We will see the return of the Lord. Because truly he's soon to return. We praise God for his word. And we pray you join us again tomorrow. We may have made you uncomfortable today. But I think if you'll reflect upon it, it's good. If it challenges us, that's good. All of us, all of us are being refined right now. The times themselves are all around us. How we respond is vital. And now we come to it tomorrow. Jesus spoke of a snare. And that snare is very, very much what Brother Fernando was saying. The work of the enemy and what the Lord revealed that work would be. And the components of it that let us know. That the end has arrived, we believe. However long that is, it's closer now than when we first believed. But that's why Jesus said, know something. When you see these things begin to come to pass, know the kingdom of God is at hand. We'll see you tomorrow, Brother Jeremy. Amen. Amen. A tremendous uh, study today as we... Uh... Uh, have been getting to that place of what this snare is and where we're at. As Brother Marty says, we pray that you have been blessed today and that you will join us tomorrow as we consider, as we continue to consider and study and glean from these scriptures. May God bless you today. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs>